are live now. We are back together again. So, uh, man, I have missed you guys. I, uh, you know, there's some cool things about what's been going on. Every week we've been doing things either from the beach or we've gone out on the boat and we've been doing it from different islands. We, it's been really cool every week to see where the Holy Spirit would lead us because that's how we figure out where we were going to broadcast from. And we've had, uh, we've had numerous different obstacles to overcome. How, how many of y'all tried to listen to the Barking Beagle message? Okay, that I have made it through any, all kinds of distractions in life, but the barking beagle burned holes in my brain, maybe even permanently. All right, and then the and then the week after that, dude, there was wind, and we had all kinds of things. But I am glad to be back in here, and you know, I will say that I think what's going to happen is, you know, if, as we have nicer days, we may just say, hey, let's go outside and, and and actually do some things there. But this is where God wants us right now. I believe is right in here, and He made that possible. So. Anyways, I'm grateful you guys are here and all of that. Hey, so how many of y'all have a mirror at home? Anybody have a mirror at home? You see your hand. I, I can tell from looking at you on the answer to the next question. How many of y'all actually looked in the mirror this morning? Yeah, some of y'all are lying, man. I'm just saying. Or you were indicative of the very first part of what we're uh, But how many of y'all get a little nervous with mirrors? How many of y'all would, ra would rather just take a quick glance I mean, y'all are cool walking by these windows and just seeing yourself in the window and a, a, a dark representation. You're like, okay, that's good. I'm good there. Yeah. How many of y'all, now you're probably not going to admit this, but how many of y'all like to actually stand in front of the mirror and pose and look at yourself and, and find your best picture, you know, your best side and all of this? How many of y'all absolutely love mirrors? Anybody here? All right. Spend a lot of time in front of mirrors? All right, good. Might as well continue to do it. And so we've had like this, uh, we've got this full length mirror. That's one thing. And, 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 you know, I know as a guy, okay, not talking about girls, because girls have a different way, but I know as a guy that looking in a mirror, if I take this view right here and we miss this view right here, <laughs> and we get this view right here, we're good. Right, Terry? Amen. Man, if you're going to take a picture of me, take a picture of me from this angle, and let me give you my best side, okay? How many of y'all know you have a best side? How many of you ever gotten a bad picture? You're like, oh, God, that is a bad picture. No, that is what you look like when you're not posing. You look like that most of the time, right? Okay? So, so guys, man, we try to stand this way. And, uh, you know, and I'm not even going to talk about girls, you know, with hips and different things, all right? But I'm just saying as a guy, you know, we, we have a way of standing so we get our best side and we get our best way to look. Now, you know, uh, so sometimes that full-length mirror is good, but sometimes, have you ever had a time when you really just didn't want to look in a full-length mirror? Be honest. Have you had a time when you just said, I really don't want to see the full length right now, okay? Yeah, you're not even admitting it, but I know all of y'all are there, all right? You know, maybe after you've been splurging on vacation or maybe after the coronavirus, man, and now you're getting out and now it's beach weather, right? But sometimes we'll just go and we'll take a look at this. And this is just a normal view, a one-time view. It, there's no magnification on it. It's all good. But on the back, dude, there is a three-power magnification and a five-power magnification. Now, how many of you ever looked in those magnified mirrors before? You've looked at them? Yeah. And in fact, yesterday we were at Walmart um, after I licked the handles of all the shopping carts building herd immunity. I'm joking. I didn't do that. But but literally, as we went into Walmart, we're in there, and, and I look at the first section, and there's no mirrors left. 
There were no mirrors, all the mirrors. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to. And my wife's like, yeah, I think ladies are having to do their own eyebrows and they're having to do their. And so they're, they're getting, man, when you're doing that. Uh, hey, so how many of y'all would like to do your eyebrows just looking at the reflection off the glass right there? Yeah, no, it looks like mine because I do mine in the car. I see the gray ones and I just pull them, right? And my kids are like, you have no eyebrows left. I said, because they were all gray. But anyways, but you want some magnification in there, right? So there's, that's a pretty good deal for under five bucks, all right? If you're looking for something like that and you can't get anywhere else. But man, you know what else I found? Dude, I found a 10 power magnification. <laughs> this not only will reveal every pore in your body, this will reveal what's in the pores. This reveals what's behind the pores. Dude, I saw my esophagus. I saw my liver in this. I mean, no, seriously, this is ultimate magnification. How many of y'all ever seen like a 10 power, 25 power? Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is actually a 25 power. That's what this one is. 25 power. I'm looking and saying, what are those holes doing in my, is this the moon? <laughs> you know? It's like, dude, that's what my face looks like. But so physically, we go through this process where we want to look in a mirror because how many of y'all think it's actually a good thing to look in the mirror before you go out in public? All right? It's not a bad thing to look in the mirror before you go out in public. And I'm just telling some of y'all that, all right? Not anybody, but, but you need to look in the mirror. And so what's the purpose of looking in the mirror? What are some of the purpose? Nate, what's the purpose of looking in the mirror, bro? I saw you had your mouth full. That's why I call on you. They don't get there. All right. What, what's the purpose? Just swallowed. I dare you. Uh, okay. So, so you look in the mirror to see. Okay. So Nate's like, yeah, because I look good in the mirror. I'm looking in the mirror because I'm a young guy. Wait till you get old, bro. All right. You know? So you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, I look good. All right. And that is what you want to, as long as you look the way you want to look, okay, you move off. But how many of y'all looked in the mirror and saw something that might have needed to be changed? And I'm not asking how much needed to be changed. But how many of y'all looked in the mirror and changed something? Anybody today? Yeah. And the more you look in that mirror, the more things you can find that need to be changed physically. And you've got a limit, right? We do the best we can with what we got, with what God gave us. But, but again... There are people that are too critical and they can look in that mirror and they're, they're digging and, and, and if only we were so critical spiritually. Because let me ask you a question. What is the ultimate goal? When we're born again, we know that we're going to heaven. We know that, 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 that what Christ did on the cross paid for our sins and we are a child of God and there's nothing that can separate us. We have a positional righteousness. When we die, we look, God looks down on us. He sees he sees Christ, we're in heaven. And that's the way he looks at us for acceptance, for everything else. But let me ask you a question. How many of y'all need to look in a spiritual mirror and fix a few things once in a while? Because while we're here, we not only have a positional righteousness of being perfect, we have a practical righteousness. We have a practical righteousness. While we're here, people need to see what a big living God can do inside a person. People need to be able to see a change. The proof's in the pudding, man. They, 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 how many of y'all ever seen somebody be born again and their life changes? Their desires change. Their hopes change. Their countenance changes. How many of y'all get born again and then boom, that's it? I'm perfect. In positionally, you are perfect, but practically speaking, you are not. Because we have flesh. And we want to follow the flesh. The Apostle Paul talks about it. The book of Romans talks about it. The entire Bible, the entire New Testament, if you want to throw the Old Testament out. 
They had to do it without a Holy Spirit. We get born again. We have a Holy Spirit living inside us that reveals through the Word of God, the Spirit of God reveals through the Word of God how we can look more like Christ. And James, that's what he's kind of writing on. James, again, if you've been following where we're at, we're going to finish the first chapter of James. But in the beginning of James, man, he, he was not, he was the brother of Jesus. He grew up with the perfect sibling and he didn't believe him. He said, you're crazy. He even made fun of him. Said, you're a loony bin. If you're really this, do this. But when he was met with a resurrected Jesus and he now was faced with the fact that he grew up with the Messiah and he had heard the Sermon on the Mount. He had heard everything. Now he's, he's, he's faced with a living Savior and he surrenders and he is all in. Basically, he becomes the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And as the pastor there, he's got the Sermon on the Mount, which is pretty much the only message Jesus preached. If you go into the Sermon on the Mount, that's kind of Jesus. He had that message and he preached it over and over. And so the book of James is... He, he keeps referring back to the Sermon on the Mount, only using different illustrations and stuff. And, and in all of that, and the point of the whole Sermon on the Mount is that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you'll be, you need will be added to you. Because he says, here's, here's what, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, hey, so, so this is what your life should look like. And he paints a picture of perfection. But he says, man, you can't do that. How many of y'all know you can't do perfection on your own? You can't do perfection. And that's what he kept saying. He was trying to show, Jesus was trying to show people, you need a savior because perfection's required and you don't have it. So the whole purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is, dude, here's what perfect righteousness looks like in God's eyes. This is what it looks like. And people were supposed to say, I can't do it. I can't go there. I, I'm so inferior. I'm so, such a failure. And he says, good. I'm such a success, and I want to impart that on you. So for salvation, perfection's required, but I'm the only perfect person. So when you surrender your life to me, what I did, my perfection is now imparted to your life. And you've got a home in heaven. You've got me, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit living inside you. And now there's a process called sanctification. We have salvation, where we give our life to Christ, and we are set for heaven. But And one day we've got a, a time where we go to heaven, where in heaven... Karen, are, are we perfect or flawed in heaven? Perfect. perfect. You and I will never be able to get in trouble again. None of us will. And so heaven, we have a process called glorification. But how many of you would say right now you look exactly like you will in heaven? Spiritually, physically, your practical righteousness is lacking. All of us are. Paul, man, I don't do what I want to do, and I, I do what I don't want to do, and it bothered him. That was evidence of his salvation. He didn't just write it off and say, well, that's just me. You know, so there's salvation. There's a process called sanctification, which is where we're at once we're born again until he brings us home and then he brings us home. We are glorified. We are like him in that. And James wanted his people to get sanctification right, because if they weren't getting sanctification right, probably they didn't get salvation right. And so in this, you remember Jesus. Anybody remember a story Jesus told about um, about building your house on a on a sandbar? Anybody remember a story about that? He said, those who, and this was in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, those of you that hear my words, but don't what? But don't do them. Yeah, there's a big difference between hearing it and doing it. He said, those of you that hear my words, but you don't do it, you're like the person that builds a big mansion, a beautiful house on a sandbar. And when the storms come and the tide comes in, what's it going to do on that sandbar? It's going to destroy everything you have worked for, everything you have built. 
He said that's the difference between listening and doing. And now you get it where we're going to go today with James. He says, be a hearer. Don't be a hearer. Be a doer. We're going to talk about that. He gets it from that. And instead of using the house on the sandbar, he uses the mirror as another illustration, which we'll talk about. So he said, but those of you who hear what I say and, and what? Do it. And do it. He said, you're like the one who is built on a solid rock, solid foundation. The storms come, man. The wind comes. Everything comes, man, and nothing happens to it. Dude, Terry, where'd you spend the last hurricanes, man? At home, dude, y'all build a house. And, and you know what? Did, did, when you were building that house, did you raise the elevation? Did, is it solid? It, it's rock solid, dude. If their house floods, all their neighbors are in trouble, right? <laughs> At least that's what they're all saying to you, but I'm just joking. But, but dude, and, and, and what about your windows? Do you, dude, impact resistant windows. What about your roof? It's good, right? The storm surge would go right around all these things. How about if you lose electricity? Dude, Fernanda, can you fire that bad boy up? Can you fire that big generator up? Heck yeah, man. You know what? I got to teach my wife how to use the generator because we don't have one like that. Watch it. Boom, 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 boom. But it worked. Dude, he said he built on a solid foundation. And so when the storms come, they can actually. And you know what? At my house, it's kind of cool. We sort of like the shutters. Anybody like being with shutters? Isn't it kind of cool? It's kind of peaceful. A lot of my neighbors just left the shutters on. I don't know if that's because they're doing illicit things in there or they just like the quietness. But they have windows. My sister has them too. Some of y'all probably have where you can watch the hurricane. It's like, whoa, look at that palm tree. Oh, there goes the neighbor's roof. They should have one like ours. No, but, but literally, man, if you're prepared, if you've got what it takes, man, you don't have to worry about the storms. And that's what he's trying to prepare us for spiritually in all of this. So that's where James is going with all of this. Dude, you build on the right foundation, guys. Man, you do the right. You build on that foundation. And he said, and he, so instead of talking about a house on a sandbar withstanding a storm and, 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 a, and, a, and a house not withstanding a storm, the difference between the withstanding and not is one hears the word and does it. The other one hears the word and doesn't do it. So today, James is using his own illustrations from this, and it's a mirror. He says, look, man, he said, he said, let's say you were walking by and you saw the mirror. Let's just say you looked intently. And let's say I had some green stuff between my teeth. Let's just say I, I ate a bunch of chocolate, and I had chocolate implanted in all of the crevices in my mouth right now. Would, would, would that distract you? How many of y'all be distracted if I had chocolate all of my teeth right now? And if my teeth are green, it's because I've been eating smoothies lately. That's what we've been eating for breakfast every morning. So I'm working on that. But, but dude, it would distract you. And, and so he said, if you see something between your teeth, what should you do? Take it out. You don't want it to be a distraction. Okay? And he's saying the same thing spiritually. When you look into the Word of God, you know what? Sometimes the Word of God is going to be like this full-length mirror. And he's going to show you a big picture of yourself, a big picture of your family, a big picture of your job, a big picture of your life. Sometimes he's going to show you that. Sometimes he's only just going to show you, you know, a, a simple thing and you can see what's wrong. How many of y'all have ever had something wrong all day and nobody told you? Anybody ever here walk around with their zipper undone all day and nobody told you? Anybody walk around with toilet paper stuck to their heel of their shoe and nobody told you? Anybody ever have a split in your pants or something and nobody told you? What kind of friends are they that wouldn't tell you if you have something wrong, right? 
Why are you laughing? Do I have something wrong right now? <laughs> Literally, a friend loves you and will help you. And Jesus is the best friend we have. And he's saying, look, fix this. It's not like he's trying to, you know, take a 50 or 25 power mirror and always saying, Karen, look, you're a loser. Fix this. That's not his point. And so many people look at the law like that. In fact, today, James refers to it as the law of liberty. And we're going to talk about that. There's a big difference between the law and the law of liberty. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free when you do what with it? When you use it. It's like a giant stick of deodorant. I keep telling you that. You have a 55-gallon drum of that stuff, and, and, and it won't do you any good unless you do what with it? Yeah, dude, you should just smear your whole body over it, and then you walk around, it's worked, right? But if all you do is look at it and say, well, I got this in my house. Well, your whole, your whole house smells like Old Spice, man. No, but you don't. You've got to apply it to your life for it to work. And it's a good thing, not a bad thing. God's never making you look in the Word and saying, this is wrong, 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 you're a loser, get out. No, God instead is saying, hmm. Hey, you know what? You're thinking right now you're pretty righteous. I'm going to give you this 25, 50 power mirror to look a little closer to realize you aren't as perfect as you think. And there's, you can always represent Christ better. That's the purpose of our life from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home is to represent him. How many of y'all are perfect at representing him right now? Not. So he's trying to fix us, to make us. Now, for salvation, we're perfect. We... <laughs> There is a, but there is a practical righteousness that must be worked on so that we can look more like him. How many of y'all want people to see supernatural stuff in your life? It's, but it's got to be worked on through that practical righteousness. Well, look at this, and you tell me what it says, all right? So first thing, this is kind of the title of it. When, when you look in the mirror, let me ask you a question. How much do you want to see? <laughs> You look at a physical mirror, how much do you want to see? It depends whether you ate a big meal or not, right? Depends whether you got clothes on or not. Depends on a lot of things, right? I'm just saying, when you look in the mirror, how much do you want to see? And it's the same with the Word of God. When you look into it, how much do you want to see? You just want to see a little daily bread? <laughs> you feel good about yourself? I'm, not, I'm saying daily bread's better than no bread. All right, don't get me wrong there. But what if you only looked in the mirror as often as you looked in the Word of God? What, and, 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 you know, Billy Graham. He said at his deathbed, or he said prior to dying, he said, they said, man, do you have any regrets? Do you have anything you wish you'd done? You know what he said? He said, I wish I would have read more of the Bible than books about the Bible. <laughs> do you get that? I, I would rather read more of the Bible than books about the Bible or listen to people tell me about the Bible, whether it's through books, preaching, whatever. I wish I would have read more of the Bible because if you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, he's the author. He will tell you what you need to know out of that. And you won't get it wrong. If you get it wrong, the Holy Spirit will fix it. But you've got to be in the Bible yourself. There's so many people barely even looking in the Word of God. And they're walking around green spiritual stuff between their teeth that needs to be taken out. Including me. When I get too busy. When I get distracted. When I've got my own thing. So when you look into the mirror, the spiritual mirror, how much do you want to see? How much do you want to fix? However much you look into the Word of God is, is directly related to how much you want to fix and become more like God. Because that's the whole purpose. He reveals himself to you, and then he reveals to you how you can be like him. 
okay? It's not to beat you down. It's not to beat anybody else down. He says, I am going to teach you how to have a more successful life, being like me since I created it all. So when you look in the mirror, how much do you want to see and how much do you want to fix? That's the question today. And I'm talking about the spiritual mirror. So in the first part of this illustration, he says, some want to see very little and therefore they fix very little. In other words, if you don't, uh, if you come, you come to church, man, praise God, I'm glad you're here. But if you're not looking in the word any other time, what would it be like if you only looked in the physical mirror once a week? You know, what would it be like? And again, if that's your look, go ahead, man. It's all good. That's how that's how dreadlocks came about, right? You ever see real Rastas in Jamaica, man? Dude, they're not nice and braided. They're just matted because it's like, well, that's it. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, is that if you only look in the mirror once, once a week, how many of y'all would look radically different? Jess, would you look radically different if you only looked in the mirror once a week? Yeah. What if you only looked in it once a day? You, you look different, right? Yeah, I bet you would. Because you got that long hair, man. It, it would all get matted. Well, Karen would be fixing it for you at the dog place, right? She'd be getting the mats out for you. But some people, he starts off with this and says, some want to see very little, and therefore they're going to fix very little. Look at the first two verses in James uh, 1, 22, 23, 24 in this. He said, but be doers of the word. So when you hear something, when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, when you see something, the Holy Spirit might show it to you in a magnified mirror. He might show it to you in a full-length mirror. He might just show it to you in a regular mirror. He shows us all whatever we can handle. Aren't you glad God doesn't just dump everything on you at once? Bruce Lee, aren't you glad he doesn't dump everything on you at once and he's going to fix in the rest of your life? Yeah. Dude, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. So he pulls out whatever part of the mirror, but you've got to look in the mirror. He said, be what of the word? Doers. And not hearers, not just hearers. Hearers are people that listen. You hear a great message. You hear, you hear, you you learn something in Scripture. That's not the end of it. That is where man, That's probably one of the biggest problems in theology today. Is oh, people are are listening to all kinds of stuff, but nothing's changing their life. If it doesn't change you, you miss the point in it. We don't just become spiritual by hearing stuff. We have to apply it like the deodorant. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because why? If all we do is listen, 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 but nothing ever changes, what does he say? What do the last two words say? Deceived You've deceived yourself. Because now you have a picture of, of, of yourself. Okay, if you never look in the mirror, what do you think you look like? <laughs> Whatever you thought. <laughs> okay, yeah. What you look like 20 years ago, right? Or however many. Yeah. Exactly, and, and, that's, and, and that's exactly what happens. You know what Israel, one of Israel's greatest problems was? Israel, when they quit going to the word of God, they had a very distorted picture on who God was. When you are not in the word of God, constantly learning who God is, you can create him to be anything you want him to be. And that is what's happened in this day. And that's what even what Paul told Timothy was going to happen. There's going to be a form of religion with no power because it's not going to be tacked to a real God. It's going to be like the book of Judges. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And they add a little bit of what they know about God here and here and here. And to them, it's God. But when we read those stories in the book of Judges and Joshua and Ruth, we read those stories there in 1 Kings. The first thing we ever say is, God's not there. But they sure thought he was. 
because they neglected his word. Everything they had learned. Be doers of the word, not hearers, because what happens? You deceive yourself. Again, why do you think it's a bad picture? When you get a bad picture, because, dude, that doesn't look like me. <laughs> that doesn't look like me, but it does look like you. Man, perhaps we need, a, we need cameras taking pictures of us at all angles. And one day that'll happen. We'll have these holograms of ourselves. You'll be able to do it right on your iPhone, I promise. There'll be an app for that. <laughs> and then you'll be like, ooh. And then you'll be able to take those, what, what uh, uh, avatars? Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. How many of y'all got an avatar? And you're, you're willing to admit it looks nothing like you, <laughs> right? It, it does look like me. That's me. <laughs> no. But when we have cameras looking all the way around us, we, we can't hide from any angle. And we actually see a true representation of who we are. Without that, we're deceiving ourselves. Now, physically, that may be okay, but spiritually, it's not. Because we're supposed to represent him. And that's what he says. If you're just a hearer, but you're not allowing what you hear to change you. And it's not you that has to come up with the ability to change. If God is revealing something to you that needs to be changed, who's going to provide all the power to change it? He is. He's going to give you the desire and he's going to give you the ability to change that. So make sure you're not a do, you're not a hearer, but you're a doer of the word because you become deceived. Look at this. If anyone is just simply a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Now, this is interesting, okay? He uses the word natural face because when we're born again, we're, are we, we're no longer natural, Chris. We're now what? So yeah, supernatural. We're spiritual. And he's saying that when you look in the mirror, you, you see that natural face. And in other words, and he's talking about the word of God. So when we look in the word of God, we see our humanity. We see our natural face. If we don't look in the word of God, we can then tell, her, tell ourselves and be deceived and think, oh, I'm a spiritual giant. I've got, I see my spiritual face, my spiritual being, my spiritual everything. But guess what everybody else sees? They see the spiritual face or they see the natural face. We have to constantly be looking in the word of God to see our what face? Our natural face. The one we don't want to look like. The one we don't want to be like. And let God correct that. Because we all want to portray that supernatural face to people, don't we? Otherwise you wouldn't have gotten saved. So he says, man, you're like a man who intently, intently, this actual word intently is talking about a child discovering something. Dude, I love having Keone at the house and in our backyard. And, and we have like a jungle. And we have lizards. We have worms. We have snakes, man. We have possums. We have, we have all kinds. Of, and I love going out and looking at Keone. And he's on his hands and knees. Did you ever do that at the beach? He's on his hands and knees. And his face is this far from whatever it is he's looking at. He's just in there. He's like, and you're like, what? That's what this word intently means. So he's saying here, and in fact, every time it's used in this passage, it's like that. He's like a man who intently, this person looks in his natural face in a mirror. He sees what it is, but what does he do with it? <coughs> Look at this. For he looks at himself and does what? Ooh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness, this mirror, right? oh no, dude looks like the moon. That is not what my face looks like. I put, a, I put this new foundation. <laughs> the concrete guys took a street and screened it. It's all permanent now. No, I'm just saying, dude, I don't want to see that. Oh, I don't want to see that. Hey, it's just like light. Uh, when you're laying in a dark room, hey, Sophie, do you like to sleep? 
Are you okay with naps? Are you, do you, who enjoys sleep out of this family more? Okay, so Fernando. So you're laying in a comfy bed, in a comfy room. It's dark. It's awesome. And then everybody comes in and flips the lights on. All right? What are your choices? Wrap. One is wrap, yeah. They flick it on, dude. The first thing I want to do is get rid of anybody who's responsible for bringing that light into my life, right? Getting rid of it so I can turn it off. That's what he's saying right here. He looks at himself and goes away. He once forgets what he was like. God showed you the light and you wanted to do nothing but get rid of it. Now, I'm not saying you're wrong for wanting to do that, but that's one of our responses to the light. Or without wrath, we can just gently go over there and flick it off and go back, right? And without the wrath, that's another. But what, what happened? We've seen the light, but what do we just do with the light? We turned it off. That's what he's saying. The dude looks in the mirror, and he even looks intently. He's like, no, that's not me. And God says, yes, it is. Oh, no, that's not. Yes, it is. And they're like, okay, I'm putting the mirror away. <laughs> I don't really want to think about myself that way. But let me ask you a question. You just saw your natural side, not your supernatural side. What's God's purpose in revealing this to you, Dustin? What's his purpose? So that you can stay like your natural side, or what? Yeah, he's showing you so you can say, and he's showing how often does he show in the word what the supernatural side looks like. And he's saying, you can have that. You already do, just do it. But yeah, we're like, no, no, that's going to cause me to have to change something in my life, and I don't want to do that. I've got a comfortable Christianity right now. I don't want to change anything. Leave me alone. I'm good. <coughs> Aren't you glad none of y'all do that, man? It's all other church people that do that. He looks at himself, goes away, but go back to the light again. So after the wrath, after no wrath, because you don't want to lose your testimony, you flip the light off, what's the other option when somebody flicks the Q-beam on your face? What's the other option? Yeah, yeah, you can hide from it. That's one, yeah. You can pull out your concealed carry. No, I'm just <laughs> That's still all getting rid of it, but what's the other option from not getting rid of it? How many of you have ever had to, like, just... And do your eyes instantly adjust? No. You have to kind of like, it takes some time. And all of a sudden, now you can adjust. But what can you do in the light that you couldn't do in the dark? Almost everything except sleep. <laughs> Which is what you wanted to do. That's what the problem was. But in the light, you can do almost everything else. That's what God's trying to do in our lives. He's not trying to be a killjoy. He's trying to wake us up and let us live in the light. Like we're supposed to. But this dude looks at himself, goes away. He's looked intently. He has seen himself. But now, as one commentator said, he couldn't even pick himself up in a police, in a police lineup. <laughs> Think about that. Hey, identify yourself. No, I can't. Because I forgot what I even looked like. I don't want to see that side of me. How many of y'all know that the truth hurts sometimes? You know what? In my 30 years of pastoring, one thing, and I'll stand by this. I'll stand by it. I'll stand by it. You know who you are most irritated by? Not the one opposite of you. You're most irritated by the one just like you. <laughs> Think about your kids even and different stuff. You are because you know what you see in their flaws and things? You see yourself. And before you can see yourself, you're wiping them out. They're Get out of my life. I don't want to see that because the truth hurts. The truth hurts, but the truth heals. And that's what God's trying to reveal to us. 
So this person's looking at very little because they don't want to fix very much. They're, they're cool with just the way things are. I mean, God has something so much better for you. But some want to see a lot, and therefore they fix a lot. And how many of y'all are glad that you're not the person you were before you got saved? <laughs> how, many, how many people would say the person next to me right now is glad that I'm not the person I was before I got saved? Yeah, you're different because he fixes things. He gives you new desires and the ability to fulfill those desires. Some want to see a lot, and therefore they fix a lot. Look at these last verses here. But the one, he says, but, but, not the guy who looks in it, figures out who he is and says, no, that's not me. I don't want to see that again. But the one who looks into the what law? Perfect. So is there anything wrong with this law? Does God's camera need to be adjusted? Is God's mirror all like, all smeared up where you're seeing a distorted view of yourself like you do at the fair? <laughs> In fact, that's what I was even, I don't want to break this mirror, but I was so wishing I could get one of those fair mirrors. You ever look at yourself in those? Not that you want to look like that, but honestly, when you're not in the Word of God, that is what you're seeing, a distorted version of yourself, your natural self. God, God's mirror, is God's mirror distorted at all when he shows you a picture of yourself? No. In fact, what's the word he uses there? Perfect. Perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. The one who looks into the perfect law. Now, here's where we have a problem. The law, but I'm saved by grace. I don't have the law. But you know what? When you live in grace, you fulfill what? The law. Now, you don't have to fill the ceremonial law. We can eat shrimp, praise God, and lobster, and all that junk, you know, but the, Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law. But the moral law is still the moral law. It's still wrong to covet your neighbor's wife. It's still wrong to covet your neighbor's stuff. It's still wrong to murder. It's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to cheat. It's still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to have any other God except him. But the one who looks into the perfect law, look at this. I love how he clarifies it. The law of what? Liberty. What do you, when you hear the word liberty, Joey, when you hear the word liberty, if I would thank you so much for that story, man. That's awesome how something God leads you to do one day. You know what I like most about that? You're just obedient, doing what he wants you to do one day. And you walk away and it looks like nothing's happened. Dude, but I was obedient. And the next day, the next day, God takes it. Yeah. And so often in our life, if we don't see instant results, we think it's been a failure. When success is nothing more than obedience in this. But when you hear the word liberty, what do you think of when you hear the word liberty? Um, like, uh, One word. Like just justice. Okay, justice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, how about you guys? When you hear liberty, what do you think of? Freedom. Freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh. Yeah, freedom's good. No, justice is good because justice is what's right. We think of freedom. Anyone else? Liberty. What else do you think of when you think of liberty? Movement. What's that? Movement. We can move. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Freedom. Movement. Yeah. Not being trapped in your house like you are in Pennsylvania, right? Or some of you are in. Facebook land, but yeah, freedom. So there's freedom. Look at what he says. So we think of the law as restrictive. And, and, and you know what? Actually, for Israel, the law was a good thing. Prior to the law, they didn't know really how to please God. It wasn't a restrictive thing. It was now God said, this is how you please me. But guess what? You can't, so you need a Savior to, to make it good. Now, we're on this end of it, and we have a Savior that gives us the ability to fulfill the law in our life. Look at what he says here, though. He says, one who looks into the perfect law, and he defines it as the law of freedom. 
So what's the purpose of the law for us? Gary, what's the purpose of the law for us? Freedom. Freedom. Has the law, has God's law, and again, God's precepts. <laughs> go, go read Psalm 119, and you'll see in every single verse except a couple, you will see another word for his law there, and it's defined. It's given us freedom, right? Are you freer now than when you used to do whatever you wanted to do? Yeah, because when you do what you want to do, you always got in trouble, right? <laughs> and let's say you don't get in any trouble now, but yeah, that law, it, 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 it gives us the freedom. Freedom from what? What are we slaves to before we are born again? Sin, the flesh. You are free. You don't have to obey the flesh anymore. You don't have to obey sin. You have a freedom. And look what it does. The perfect law of liberty and the one who looks into it. And what's the next word? Perseveres. Hey, so when you think of the word persevere, Ashley, what's the word persevere mean to you? Keep Just keep doing it. <laughs> like right now, some of you are like, dude, I liked it better when I was at home on my couch in my underwear and I could turn them off and go get up. <laughs> now I have to sit here. <laughs> right, Terry? You already told me. I got you, but I can beat you like a <laughs> Dude, I'm persevering now, but I'm, I'm now passing perseverance, and I'm now praying for Jesus to come back, so his message will be over. I'm almost done, I promise, but look, persevere means to keep doing it, because Joey, do you always see results at, at the beginning? No. Always. No, it's sometimes you can. Time. It's in his time. It's his time. Yes. So you persevere. Man, how many of y'all women who've tried to, like, get in shape, men who've tried to get in shape, how many of y'all, like... Dude, I ran on that treadmill today, and look at me. Nothing changed. <laughs> Man, I went to the gym, and look at this. I did that for a whole week, and look, this is what I got. <laughs> All right? You have to persevere, right? It's the same way with the, law, the perfect law, the law of liberty. It's a lifestyle. We get it wrong, then we, keep, we repent, and we get it right. He wants us to get it right. He's teaching us to get it right. But we've got to stay in the word of God, which is the mirror. If you don't look in the mirror, you don't really see the truth. You have some perceived concept of the truth, and James says you're deceived. You've got to look in the mirror. He says, man, if you look into that perfect law, the law of liberty that wants to give you freedom, and you persevere being no hearer. Hey, what, is, what does James think about hearers? <laughs> losers. <laughs> that's backwards, isn't it? Losers, yeah. <laughs> that's, really, that's really a loser, a backwards L, right? <laughs> He's saying, be no hearer who forgets. He doesn't think very highly of people who hear and don't do anything because they're deceived in what they think they know and what they think they are. But they're the one who's listening, persevering, and they're letting God change their life. He says, man... He said, be a doer who what? Acts. It takes action. You've got to put it in practice. He will be what? Blessed, man. You want to be blessed? You've got to put it in action. Whatever God shows you, man, you've got to do it. You will be blessed in your doing. And we are sometimes, oftentimes, blessed in that process. Progress is direction, not speed. If anyone thinks he's religious, now that's word religious, religion means rules, but in this context, it, the literal translation of religion is an outward expression. You take what God has shown you, okay, you look in the mirror, and you see what God has shown you, and there is an outward expression. So here's some people, I look intently, here's my outward expression, <laughs> all right? 
Some people, here's their outward expression. Ooh, look at that. Oh, another gray one. Ah, you know, uh, whatever. You have an outward expression. So he says when you are hearing from God and he gives you instructions and he wants to change you, there's going to be an outward expression. And now first he's saying, that's what the word religious means. And he says, but if you don't do this, don't do it, don't do this. It's worthless. Your outward expression is worthless because you're not doing what God wants you to do. And let's see what that is. If anyone thinks he is religious, has the right outward, you know, I know this, I can argue this, I can debate this, I can throw this theology down, and I can defend this, and I can do all these things, but you don't have a changed life. He said it's worthless. Look at this. He said, but you're going to be able to tell whether or not your outward expression is right if this is what it looks like. And James, again, is going back to the Beatitudes, going back to the Sermon on the Mount. That Jesus said, you can't do unless you have me. Now James is saying, if you have him, you can do it. Look at this, the outward expression. He says, if you think you have this outward expression and you do not bridle your what? Ooh, man. If you can't control your mouth, you have blown your outward expression. And in fact, James later is going to go through a whole dissertation saying the hardest thing to control is your tongue. If you, if he said, man, he said a tongue is like a fire. It how many matches does it take to light an entire forest on fire? One. How many, how, how, what, how many tiny rudders does it need to eventually turn a ship? One. How many bridles does a horse need? A big, powerful horse, but he can be controlled by one bridle. James goes into a whole dissertation and he starts it right here. And he says, you want to think you have right religion? You want to think you're being changed? You want to think? He said, here's what the outward expression is going to be. Your tongue is going to be bridled. It's going to be controlled. So it's bridled like a horse, all right? You have horses, right? You know about horses? Dude, I am scared of horses. I'd rather surf with bull sharks, not dive with them, but surf with them. <laughs> Where my feet look like mullet on the bottom, right, Gary? <laughs> but I, horses are scary. Everybody always used to tell me, oh, well, don't let them know you're scared, and then it'll be okay. And then they'd be like, but they know. I'm like, well, what's the point? <laughs> and, and because I was a youth leader and I was the adult, and we'd always get on a trail ride, like up in Colorado or Montana somewhere, and the horses had been, like, in a barn all winter long, and we're the first crew. And because I was the leader, they put me on, like, old buck. <laughs> you know, oh, don't worry about old buck. So one time I did have a nice horse, and other horses were fighting, and they talked to old buck and had old buck in between fighting horses with my legs hanging off. So I have not had a good experience with horses. But I do understand that little bridle can control it all. But do all you have to do is put a bridle in a horse's mouth just let him go? Can he just run? What, what's necessary for that bridle to actually work? You have to have a rider, right? And just, be, and just because you have a magic bridle, is every rider going to make the horse do the same thing? It takes a skilled rider to be able to control that bridle to make a horse do what it's supposed to do. So if he's saying, you're a horse, <laughs> everybody say that, I am a horse. No, no. <laughs> if you're the horse and you have a tongue that needs to be bridled, who needs to be riding you? can't let the world ride you. You can't let Facebook ride you. You can't let the news ride you. You can't let the current situation and circumstances ride you. You can't let your emotions ride you. You've got to let who ride you? If you've got the Holy Spirit holding the reins and he's controlling the bridle, does, does a rider make a world of difference? All, all the difference in the world. That's what he's saying here. Dude, if God's riding you, you'll know. 
You'll know. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'll know that the Holy Spirit is riding you and controlling that bridle. If you ain't, you better get a new rider. It's you trying to ride yourself or somebody else or a situation or a circumstance. You think you're religious, man? Check your outward expression. First of all, he says, you don't bridle your tongue. Uh, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he's what? Deceived. The proof's in the pudding. You can talk all the Christian smack you want to talk. Right? Wear all the Christian t-shirts you want to wear. Listen to all the Christian music. Do all the Christian bumps here. But the proof's in the pudding, man. And I got to admit to you, on the way here, yes, I had a car pull out in front of me on Indian River Drive. I was happy. Who told me today they didn't have anybody the whole way? Oh, yeah. All the way from the fort. You live over by... Two by blocks me. from you. Yeah, two blocks from me. But, dude, I'm cruising at... My speedometer is saying 38, 39, which I know with my tires means 36. All right, 37. And I'm cruising, and all of a sudden, somebody pulls in front of me, and they now do 25. Oh, my tongue got unbridled. <laughs> and that's what, not to them, not out there, but I did. I was like, you idiot. And then God convicted me because I'd just been praying, oh Lord, please let me be full of the Holy Spirit. And this guy's like, you idiot! And God's like, you idiot. Who just rode you? Who just grabbed the reins? You see how quick it can happen, guys? But as soon as it happens, man, you got to be a man or a woman after God's own heart and say, God, I repent. I'm sorry that they're an idiot. Oh, God, that's not even good enough. God, you put them in front of me to teach me a lesson, to bridle my mouth, to make this real. You did this. As opposed, you see what repentance looks like? And I'm not bragging on myself because I'm the one who started all of that. But you think you're religious and don't bridle your tongue, man. You're deceived. You deceive your own heart. Your heart thinks you're one thing, and, and, and it's not. That's why Billy Graham said, I wish I would have read the Bible more than books that had to do with the Bible. The Word of God interpreted to you by the Holy Spirit of God from you just reading it in context and completely, not picking your favorite little verses and chapters, but the whole thing. Man, that's where he makes you not have a deceived heart. And look what he says. The person who has a deceived heart, and they can tell because of their mouth, he says this person's outward expression or religion is what? So, come on, that's a little harsh. Shouldn't it be worth a little bit? Camille, shouldn't it be worth something? Dude, some, most of the time I'm all right, but he did. How many times you got to blow your testimony for your testimony to be worthless? And we're supposed to be representing him. And we've all done it. That's why we have to keep looking into the mirror and look closer and closer and say, God, show me who I really am. Help me look at the shepherd and not all the other sheep and get a distorted view of me. He said that person's religion, their outward expression of showing people what God really is like is worthless. He said religion, outward expressions that are pure and undefiled before who? Not before your congregation, not before your little group of Christians that have all agreed on what's acceptable and what's not, but before God who wrote the word of God who's trying to get you to look in the mirror. That God, he said, the one that's those expressions that are pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this. Look what he says. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Now, in context, in where they were living, 
there was no welfare system, uh, there was no life insurance policies, and so the for real in this was orphans and widows, but the application to us is anyone in need. You see a need. Now, as Karen, we've talked about, there's other pieces of scripture that says just because there's a need doesn't mean it has your name on it. You may be the one to connect to that, but we've always got to be, if we love God, he calls us to love who? Others. Yeah. We've got to always be consciously looking at others to see if God wants to use us to meet a need. Uh, Stephen Sibley pastor I worked with one time uh, over at Jensen, and he was a music minister. He, he kind of grew up in that Chick-fil-A world, and Truett Cathy had a, stay, a saying. It, it was that if you walk by something that needs to be done and don't do it, you've lowered your standard. <laughs> if you walk by something that needs to be done and you don't do it, you've lowered your standard. It ruined me. Every time I throw a piece of garbage in the garbage can, it lands behind it. I have to go get it. And that means knocking all the dog food over, all their whatever. I'm just saying, when you think that way. But here, that's what he's saying, is that you want to see if your religion is worth anything? Whatever God puts before you as somebody with a need, you need to meet that. Should we do orphans and widows? Absolutely. But I don't think it's exclusive to that. It's anyone in need. Those happen to be the most needy people in that civil, that society James was in. He said, man, you want to, you're meeting the needs of others. And you're allowing me to provide in that. And look at the last part. And to keep oneself, what's the next word? Unstained. Unstained from the world. Ooh. My wife's famous statement as we were all growing up, more laundry. <laughs> more laundry. Anybody heard that before? It's like we're eating and we've all got, you sure Eddie want to eat with that shirt on? It's clean. Why don't you go get a dirty one? <laughs> it's like, more laundry. Because what's a stain? It takes something that's clean and does what with it? It makes it dirty. And how many of you like, look at this shirt. Now, I don't know that's an oil or something, but if I had a big stain right here, it, it, do I actually? No, I don't think. If I had a big stain on my shirt or somebody had a big stain on their shirt, what's the first thing you would notice? The stain. The stain. Even though everything else was perfect. I mean, look. No, I just, <laughs> if everything else was right, but you had one little stain, what is it that you notice? And so when you're here to represent Christ, what is it that the non-Christian is going to notice? Stain. I'm not saying we're perfect. And we're ever going to be perfect. That's a great opportunity to teach them about forgiveness. But it doesn't give us the right to never look in this mirror. We've got to constantly look in the mirror. Ooh, pit stains. No, I mean, dude, I've got I to gotta see what's wrong and I've got to fix it. Because it, my stains are a distraction. And so he says, man, that's what we've got to do. He said, you're going to know if you keep your mouth, if you can keep your mouth under control, you're going to know. And he said, you're going to know if you want to take care of needs that people have instead of making excuses not to take care of those needs and justifying not taking care of them. But he said, it all boils down to this, keeping yourself unstained from the world. You've got the flesh and you've got your new nature. Whichever one you feed, that's the one you're going to be like. So in conclusion, how much do you want to see? You know? Um, there's a mirror right there. Okay, so once a week, I'm going to glance by at church. Okay. <laughs> All right, I think I'm good. I saw it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do Bible study too. Oh, there it is. Uh, how much would we see and how much would we fix if that's all we saw spiritually? Or it's like once a day. Okay, I'm going to walk by. 15 minutes. Okay. All right, there it is. 
Again, we've created these schedules where we don't have time. Puritans would look at us and say we weren't even saved because they spent hours in the Word of God for that very reason. But yes, our schedules are messed up, but we need to make time. Because to really find out what's wrong in here, dude, you got to kind of look. You know? we got to spend some time. But when we find out some things, we got to ask God how to fix those, and he'll show it. So how much do you want to see spiritually? How much do you want to be like Christ spiritually? You're going to answer that question by how much time you spend in the Word of God and what you do with it. The same mirror that shows you what you need to fix also shows you how to fix it. And that's the beauty of it. And the one who wrote it is the one who's going to do the fixing. You don't have to do the fixing. Bruce Lee, aren't you glad you don't have to fix yourself, man? I'm glad I don't have to fix me because I'm too broken, bro. Positionally, I'm great. But man... I had it all the way down Indian River Drive until that person God put in front of me. <laughs> I had a different view of it, but that person God put in front of me got in front of me. And it changed like that. One day I'm going to be in heaven and I won't have any problems like that. But right now I do. So I've got to constantly be looking into the Word of God, the mirror, to let God show me who I really am and show me how I can become more like Him. That's the goal. Because when I'm more like him, now I have freedom. As opposed to bondage to sin. Bondage to a circumstance. Bondage to a situation that people can keep throwing up and make me angry about. I have freedom with him. That's what it's all about. If you've never given your life to Christ, and you're not sure you're going to heaven when you die, man, um, you don't have that freedom. You are bound by sin. All the devil's got to do is drag the right bait in front of your face and you'll go chase it. Man, and the circumstance comes in front of you, you're going to fall. You have no power on your own. You have willpower and you know how well that works. And the worst thing is when you die, you have no sacrifice to cover your life to get you to heaven. And you die and you go to hell because you didn't have anything to cover your sins. But God offered me a deal a while ago and he offered those of you guys a deal, whoever gave your life to Christ, that we would simply surrender whatever we know about ourselves to whatever we know about him. That what he did on the cross, what he did in this life, his perfect righteousness can be applied to our life. And when he looks down at us at the end of our life, he sees what Christ did. And we're as close to hell as we're ever going to get. We have a guaranteed home in heaven. But while we're here in this process of sanctification, he's now living in us, guiding us, directing us, trying to give us freedom as we look more like him and as we follow him. So, man, I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in life, you've never given your life to him, you're not sure, man, do it. Hey, man, we're getting ready to baptize Bob. Bob, again, why are you getting baptized, man? Because you did what? <laughs> yeah, dude. Proof's in the pudding, man. This dude looks different than the first time I ever saw him. Look at that face, man. I don't know. I'm trying to embarrass you, but there's a countenance, man. There's a difference when you give your life to Christ. There's a difference when we're following. So man, whatever he's telling you to do, do it. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this word. Father, help us to see that when you show us stuff in the mirror, you're not trying to beat us down. I know most of us look in the mirror and we beat ourselves down because we see faults in our lives. We see faults in our body, flaws in us that we know we can't do anything about. But Father, when you show us flaws in us spiritually, we have the confidence to know that you are in control and you've only shown it to us so that you can give us the power to fix it. 
And when people see that it's fixed in our life, that our life is different, we act different, we are different, they want to know how we're different, we can then give you all the glory, all the honor in it. And that's what it's about. But Father, I pray that you would take this message and you would speak to each of us and not just let us be hearers, but that we would be doers with it. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.